Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussion on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, including Steven Universe, Gravity Falls, Ruby, and Rick and Morty. I'm Mel Moyer, and today I'm joined by Sam Quattro. Hello! Yeah, and we're discussing, for some reason, uh, The Thief and the Cobbler, which we discovered in already, like, watching it back and researching that it was a headache. Um, but I really like it. Um, and Sam's the only other person who's yeah. taken interest in it. Um, so we're going to be talking about that today um, and the various versions of it. Um, I guess we'll just get right into it. Sure, um, yeah. I mean, so the the thing about this film, it's a it's uh, by Richard Williams, who Sam has informed me. Um did work on Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Pink Panther. Yep. Um, this is this is the fun part. This is an American, British, and Canadian oh film. There's so, um, there's so much. There's a lot going on here. So for those of you, a lot of you probably know, if you're not like huge into into following this, we'll know this as um, the Arabian Night or just Arabian Night. I think was the most popular version. Came out in 1995. Yeah. The Miramax version. That's the one with all the singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the, all the Matthew Broderick. All the yeah, there's a lot of Matthew Broderick happening there, and a lot of interesting dance moves to go with that singing. So, so much. There's just a lot. Yeah, no, there's a it's a lot. So we're gonna collectively refer to all of these as the Thief and the Cobbler, even though all of them have different names. Um, so the first one we're gonna get into, I guess, would be the Princess and the Cobbler, or I'm sorry, not the Princess Cobbler, but the original work print, The Thief and the Cobbler. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing about this film is that it had a lot of issues in production, and it's kind of like reached folkloric um, heights in the world of animation because there's so many versions floating around, and so many people had the rights to this, and it's never really been finished to Richard Williams' like heart's content. Um, so the original work print. Um, Basically what happens in this movie is that it takes place in in this version in an unnamed um, uh, Golden City. Golden City, yeah. In, in later versions it's renamed to Baghdad, but it's called Golden City in this version. It's this Middle Eastern city um, where they're protected by these three golden balls. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to giggle with that. Um <laughs> <laughs> and like they 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 sit on top of this really tall building and there's this um, prophecy that if the 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 balls go away then the city will be destroyed by these like one-eyed um like just like creatures from the yeah. desert um known as the one-eyes. Um so this cobbler named Tack um lives in the city gets in like unwittingly like gets involved with the thief, this guy who's trying to steal the golden balls. Um, and they the both thief are... looks like a squash. Like looks... <laughs> See, this is the one, and this is what I'm going to get into vegetable. later, is that I do, the thing I love about the Miramax version is the thief. Um, so him and the thief get into all sorts of shenanigans um, quite by accident, get thrown in jail, or he gets thrown in jail, and pretty, the thief gets away. The thief um, is just... He's a guy. The thief's He's around. The thief is like the squirrel in Ice Age. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good comparison. Yeah. So, um, and then there's this guy zigzag, who's <laughs> I like his shoes. Yeah, these got the the like they like fly out when he takes steps. Yeah. Uh, Proto Jafar essentially. 
mm-hmm. um, who wants to like take the the golden balls and like take power, basically, a, basically a, a Jafar, um, even though he was before Jafar. Um, and there's they they so they go out to into the desert at one point to go find this witch who can help them defeat the One Eyes without the golden balls, and the thief's just always there. And, a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff happens. It gets a little dicey at this point because there's a lot of um, plot differences to sort of towards the end between the different versions. So, work print aside. So, Princess and the Cobbler, the Majestic Films version. Um, this one did have songs. It was the first one to have songs. Um, before we get into that, though, Sam, which one was your favorite have, have, of the ones you've seen? Um, I like the Recobble Cut better. Do you like the pun else. in it? The, 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 the what? The pun. Recobbled cut? Yeah, that, that was done on purpose. Yes. Right? Yeah, I assume. Yes. If not, that's It just... was recobbled together because... That's cute. It was, yeah. Like a shoe. Anyway. Um, so, um, this one also um, cuts a lot of scenes from the uh, original one. Um, and there's, like, this weird subplot of, like, Zigzag trying to kill Tack constantly because he's got this pet alligator named fido and he keeps trying to like feed tack to it's him an alligator? i think it's an alligator i thought it was a oh it's a bird i'm sorry he gets eaten by alligators later <laughs> i'm like putting those things together this movie is so complicated and it shouldn't be oh, there's just so much happening um not really too familiar with that version have you have you seen that a few times at all the 1993 I really version i have not no not, okay um so, the one that we're going to talk about most, and this leads directly into it, is the version that's the 1995 Miramax version that was retitled Arabian Night. Matthew Broderick. It was a big uh, couple years for him right there. He did Simba, like mm-hmm. the year before, and now he's Tack. Now he's Tack. It's just the decade of Matthew Broderick, if you will. The mid-90s were a good, good time for him. I think that's not Sarah Michelle Gellar, Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, so this version, there's like a bunch of songs. Um, Sam has strong opinions about the songs. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you want to? You want to share those strong opinions? I don't ever remember talking to you about the songs. <laughs> okay, Sam. Sam just doesn't. The the specifically the stupid as I think song in there is Princess Yum Yum song. No, I think the school song is the stupidest one. School song. Oh. Yeah, in the desert the, the... when they're like, oh, we don't go to school and stuff. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is phoning it in. Yeah, so, um... Like, you can hear the dial right now, like, the numbers dial. They're dialing right as we speak. So the thing about this version is that a lot of the characters who are mute um, in original versions talk, including Tack, who's Matthew Broderick, who's narrating the entire movie. Um, one of the, I think, the nice sort of, um, charms of the original version is that a lot of it's told through animation and not through, um, speech. That being said, I will have a caveat to that later, but, um, so this one, basic same thing happens. The best part of this, though, is the thief. (laughs) Um, I have to, I cannot remember who, I'm gonna find out It was, uh, Jonathan Winters, I think? Jonathan, yeah. So... Just really, really great voice acting. The thief, like, scurries about everywhere and, like, has, like, a never-ending inner monologue about everything. Um, 
And it's just really funny, really good voice acting. And it, it, it does bring, I think, some some sort of more comedic, kind of slapsticky stuff to uh, The Thief and Tack um, that wasn't really in the original ones because you can hear The Thief talking and being just an idiot. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing about that one is it's newer animation, it's music... And it's Matthew Broderick. A lot of it's people trying to be Aladdin. Yeah. So that was one of the things here is that this was very much. It even says that in the beginning. Not even says it. Not says it, but like part of the intro is they talk about the book Arabian Nights, and he's like, "Yeah, you may have heard of Aladdin, but this is how I became the first Arabian Knight." And it's like, oh, "Wow." God. Um, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, but this Amazing. is this is definitely the one that you would compare most. And that was me as a kid, too. I remember watching it in my friend's like living room thinking, this is like a off-brand version of Aladdin. Um, which yeah. kind of sucks, because this the, you know this whole film project yeah. came before Aladdin. Um, and had a lot more work put into it just by virtue of how many years um, it took. But this was very much like Disney wedding ending songs like just it really bothered me how fast they fell in love like yeah <laughs> it was like 10 minutes in. he's in the jail cell and he's like wow i couldn't stop thinking about her little did and i like, know she was thinking about me too <laughs> calm down calm down yeah they Chill see the tack and so tack and princess yum yum um are love interests obviously because that's the way the world works apparently yeah. um and uh, they see each other for two seconds in the in the. It's like Romeo room. and Juliet. Yeah, no, it's literally two seconds in the throne room, and boom, like they're they're about it. Um, and she goes off on adventures with him, trying to be a uh, adventurous princess. Not really. She's but she's like in a um, a uh, palaquin the entire time. Like they're carrying her <laughs> through the desert. So I don't quite understand. But um, yeah. So the best thing about that is the comedy coming from the thief. Um. But the songs really suck. And the so I think something suck. to note too is um, Vincent Price mm-hmm. uh, voicing Zigzag. Yeah, he's, he speaks in rhymes. Is the yeah. interesting thing. All his all his dialogue is a rhyme, and he's consistent throughout all the versions. Yeah, yeah, Zigzag's the it's, one thing that kind of hasn't really been touched too much. It's Vincent Price, and they don't want to disrespect the dead guy. So there you go. There you go. Um, Recobbled cut, two thousand six. Was the first Etc. Cetera. Et cetera. Um, then the the newest one just came out on a yeah 2013. Yes. It just got it just got um uploaded onto Vimeo by the guy who did it like all yesterday. The, the Arabian Night version is on Netflix, by the way, if you want to go watch. That. Yeah, but it's under the title Thief and the Cobbler. Which but is it's probably, see, this is why this movie's confusing. Why there's so there's just so much. There's, like, you could write an entire book about... They, and they have. They've done documentaries. Yeah. There are documentaries out there about the making of this movie. So, Sam, what is it that you liked uh, so much about the Recobbled Cut? I think because, um... I'm not Richard Williams, so I can't really have a say in this, but I think it's maybe the closest to the original vision that we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's, like... I don't know. It kind of it doesn't feel like rushed, like a like a hack job, like a Miramax version, mm-hmm. or even Knight did. It felt like sort of a more complete sort of feature. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think that's probably what I like the most about it. It focused more on the animation than yeah. did anything else, which, which I think is the point of the whole entire project here. Yeah. It's it's a vanity project. It's like Richard Williams' masterpiece, and he's an animator. He animates, so... And that's one thing I wanted to get into with this when you first called it a vanity project, is what are the virtues here of animation being more important than plot? Um... Because it's very obvious in early versions in the work print that the plot was centered around um, the animation and what happened like in the scenes. Because there wasn't a yeah. lot of characters talking. Um, which is interesting because sort of if you look back at the history of animation back to gags, like back in the 20s when it was all just like two minute gag shorts, everyone, the, the, the idea was that you... Um, come up with a gag, like a, a character slips on the banana peel, and then you come up with a plot in which a character is going to slip on a banana peel for two minutes, boom, there's your gag. The interesting thing is is that kind of got switched around when Disney, um, the original Disney company, um, Disney Bros, um, Brothers, whatever yeah. you want to say it. Um, the, the Bros, yes. The Bros, the Bros. Uh, in the 20s, started making their own gag shorts with... Um, uh, Oswald, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and other characters his idea was and this is where storyboarding um, came in a lot he kind of pioneered that um, for for filmmaking and animation is that Disney wanted to create stories he would have his animators write stories and then they would go into the writer's room and say okay where can we put gags this movie feels very much sort of like the old school style where it's like, here's yeah. the action, here's what I want to see, let me build something around that to make that happen. You can tell it's very focused on animation. Mm -hmm. uh, like, it's just, it's like a showcase, like a show-off almost. Like I was talking about earlier with Zigzag's feet, like his shoes, they unroll every time he walks. Like... It's that extra amount of detail, and yeah. that whole scene with um, the checkered flooring, yeah, sort like of that chase thing, just all of the stuff that's going on, it's all for the sake of animation, not for plot, and that's the driving force behind this film. It's to be a masterpiece of animation, and I, if the legend says so, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's probably, probably I think it is. And, I mean, better. I guess it's a debate against, like, sort of, um, medium versus content, you know? Mm. Like, you've got something like, um, Kubrick, who played with film and how to make films more than he played too much with plot, you know? Yeah. Like, he's known for his, what he did in, in, um, uh, cin cinematography and filmmaking more so than great, great scripts, um, and even sort of like if you go to, um, it's spoilers, but it's not because we're in 2015. Um, but one of the best episodes of television considered is season five of Buffy, The Body, which was famous for not necessarily the content because not a lot happens in the episode. Um, it's all about camera angles and how, and how Joss Whedon wanted to portray emotions and use filmmaking to, to just tell a story more than words or things that happened. So I think there is, um, there is merit to, to taking, letting form take precedence, especially yeah. in that chase scene in the palace. I mean, that's really cool to watch. It's very trippy to watch, but. 
It's, I don't know, it's, I guess it's interesting to compare uh, different mediums in the way of uh, what's considered like a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this would be considered a masterpiece of animation, whereas something that would be considered a masterpiece of art, like the Mona Lisa, Starry Night, etc., it's completely different, even though they're like in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. It's completely different because in animation, you have to worry about narrative and like all this other stuff. As yeah. opposed to like imagery, um, I don't know. But then again, there's stuff like Fantasia and whatnot that don't Good. really like have plot because it's like based off of orchestral music things. But there's still stuff that happens in each segment. Yeah, yeah. Fantasia is actually a really good example. Um, I didn't even think of that because I was trying to think what's a Disney comparison. They all are freaking Disney plots. No, Fantasia is really good because it is like yeah, it's like a little shorts. And they have little mini plots, but as an entire film, like you sit through it and you're like, "What did I just watch?" Because it's all based on, uh, you know, like Night on Bald Mountain, um, the famous um, suite from The Sorcerer's Apprentice, and that sort of thing. So again, it's like it's very, it's almost very postmodern. Um, yeah, I feel like, which I feel I I hazard to call this a postmodern film because that could mean something completely different in the world of animation and the world of art. But to me, I would look at the intent of, of using form um, and medium and say this was a sort of postmodern look at something. Um, it's interesting, though, because if you compare it then to... So ING, IGN. Which one is ING. It? <laughs> ING. 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 The famous review site. Whichever one... <laughs> which one's the famous review site? This is the dyslexia. This is. I was talking to you about this. Um, Acronyms just get me. Um, IGN, yeah, uh, did this um, back in. It was a few years ago. They did a sort of like master list of the the greatest animated films of all time, and they named the best animated film of all time at that time. I'm gonna roughly say it was. It was probably like around 2008, 2009. They named Beauty and the Beast. The best animated film of all time. Right. Not saying it is. It is very universally acclaimed. Um, Oscars and all that stuff. So if we take that and say, okay, well, this is like one of the pinnacles of, of animated film. And then we take this. They're two very different entities. Because, like we said, this is all about animation. All about form. Beauty and the Beast was all about plot. I mean, it did, yeah. do, it did do driving things for the world of animation for Disney. It was very... Uh, it pioneered a lot of stuff, but it was all about plot. So, are these two things comparable, then? No, I guess it's like how in um, live action you have sort of like your indie, moody dramas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you have you have a movie like... Uh, it's like a really minimalist, like, plot-driven movie. You have a movie that's, like, plot-driven, and then you have a movie that's action-driven. And they're two completely separate, different things. Um... I guess in that comparison, you would make, like, Disney, like, Beauty and the Beast, stuff like that. You would make that sort of the plot-driven, but you would make, like, a stuff like, I would say, maybe this, and, uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know, a lot of animation is very plot-driven these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, because it's 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 because they aim it at kids, and yeah. they think if... Kids aren't, gonna be honest, no kid's gonna be sitting through... Thief and the Gobbler, at least the the non-musical um, version. I would suppose maybe, um, even though it isn't like, these movies saw plots as well, like, 
um, stop motion animation. There's yeah, a like, lot about um, the craft and the form as well. Yeah, like Nightmare and um, Nightmare, uh, Mary and Max, which I mentioned. Um, Corpse Bride. Corpse Bride. Chicken Run. <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, and that's interesting too. I mean, but that at the same time, like, it still has yeah. Defined not to characters. say that not to say that this doesn't have like plot. It's just like it takes a backseat. Yeah, plot definitely does take a backseat. Um, to visual, just sort of everything you're looking at. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, that stop motion is a good example because I think I feel like in the world of animation, people forget stop motion a lot. Yeah, they do. Like, they just, they write, like, and that's, that's, that stuff's hard. Like, that takes, like, I hate thinking about it when I go to see a stop motion movie and I think about them moving the little <laughs> yeah. figures, like, a centimeter. It takes, like, years yeah, upon years. Yeah, it takes, years. Them, like, five years to make one movie. Um, definitely a labor of love, and Tim Burton keeps doing it, so whatever. Yeah. He must really like it. Um, but yeah, that's another thing that's where it's, like, playing with form and, um... But in that, in the case of sort of the Tim Burton versions, I haven't seen too many indie stop motions. But in the case of Tim Burton ones, again, there's defined characters, defined plot, um, songs, and stuff. So yeah. then again, a lot of his stuff has been done by Disney. So which is why the Miramax version, I think, often gets um, a lot of people end up thinking it's Disney. Um, well, Miramax is like a subsidiary of Disney, technically. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. but it's not like. The Walt Disney Company presents Arabian Night. Yeah. Which they couldn't at that time because they had Aladdin out in, like, 94. I don't know. Basically. 92. I don't... Uh, 92, yes. It was 92. 92, because Beauty and the Beast was, was like... the year Howard Ashman died. I don't... I hate... I don't like Aladdin at all. <laughs> I don't either. That's good. I'm <laughs> I glad. I, I prefer this to Aladdin a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that was me as a kid is because we watched that and I was like, ooh. And then we watched Aladdin and I'd be like, oh... <laughs> not as cool um but yeah i mean this is this there's this is just such a complicated and folkloric and sort of legendary yeah i mean it was in production for ever years. it's yeah. still in production yeah it, it kind of is it basically um, is still in production as long as we continue to have new versions of it it's still in production yeah i guess a good thing about it is that um uh his original work print got accepted by the academy yeah. So it's like it's in a safe somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, preserved for just for reference. Production on this started in 1964. God, never really finished. Um, now that's like 50 years ago. Yeah, that's a long time. Jeez. Um, now if you prowl the internet, you will find more than just those three versions that we talked about. Yes. There are many. Um. Because they kept... I guess what happened is, like, a bunch of them kept getting leaked. Um, because it bounced between so many different animation teams and studios. Um, that people just started, like... And it never really got a release until the 90s. So... There's a term for this, but it's... I don't know if I can say it, because Dylan... I can, I can just tell him to... Yeah. Well, development hell, you know, production yeah. hell. Yeah, no, that's that's that. a known term. Like, this, is that, like, this is pretty much, like, the pinnacle of that. This is, yes, so this it's is like, the it's like in the record of, books of development hell, um, which is a technical term um, used uh, in filmmaking to like denote never, a film that is always in, it's forever in development and never gets produced fully or released. Example of development hell, Hellboy 3. <laughs> 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 probably never gonna happen trapped in development hell um 
so yeah, this is just, and they will they will probably release more versions of this if they release it's one just, as early. It's going to be done. Which I don't know. It, it, it appeals to my uh, downer sensibilities that this movie is never going to be finished. I think like it's that, it's going to be the thing that never was. And I think that's kind of what people find so interesting about it now at this point too is just the history around it because it's not if you look at it by itself like it's not a super great movie like yeah it's, it's like amazing animation it's not like but you know that's about it but the thing is like, it's like you how you would look at like a great painting and you'd be like hey, oh, hey. That, that's nice <laughs> moving on walk, walk somewhere else in the museum yeah no this is definitely so still in in the sort of consciousness and being remastered um, because of the history that surrounds it. And for some friggin' reason, we just could not get it together with this movie. <laughs> so we're still releasing versions. Um, but yeah, there's some versions that, like, there's the work print, there's ones that are still half storyboard, um, there's some with only four songs, there's some with more songs, there's some with who voiced someone really weird voiced Tack originally? Uh, some guy. His name was Steve Light. Yeah, he had like a super deep voice. It was very strange. I, he's not because he had one line in the original version at the end when him and Princess Yummy Yum marry. He says "I do," and his voice was like obnoxiously I do. deep. Um, and then it was I Matthew do. Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Um, or no, I'm sorry, we don't know who the original deep voiced person was. It was some. Friends. Oh, supposedly it's Sean Connery. There's mm -hmm. no official word on that, but there's an asterisk here that says, according to Richard Williams... Oh. Oh. I lied. Yeah. It was supposed to be Sean Connery, but he never showed up. And the line was performed by a friend. Wow, see, this movie's a mess. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like... Uh, uh, wow. Oh. Wow. Um, oh, Matthew. Matthew Rucker. I feel like there's one more thing I wanted to say. But yeah, I mean, this is just... If you're someone who's interested in animation from an academic standpoint, yeah, definitely look into the history of this. Check out um, Persistence of Vision is the name of the documentary. Um, that actually only came out a few years ago. Um, I was going to try to watch it before we did this, but I was like... Yeah. Hmm. But it's about uh, the production of this and... <sighs> 50 years of headaches. So much... Which he did a bunch of other stuff in between that. Like, he, yeah, did, he did frame, who framed Roger Rabbit and, he did so much. and other things. It's just... I don't know. I just love talking about this movie because... He tried so hard and got so far, but in the end... Yeah, Linkin Park wrote a song about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he did. That's on, what that song's you can about. You quote me on that. Um, yeah, I mean, check it out. A, like, look into the history of it. Check out the documentary watch just the world of filmmaking gone wrong. Not because the film's bad or the artists are bad, just because I, what, I don't know what happened. Producers. Yeah, essentially. This was like the bad side of, of filmmaking in Hollywood. Kind of like stepped all over this film for like 60 years almost now. No one cares about art. And that's the other thing too. Watch this for just the visual beauty of it. Um... Because the scenes in the palace are really cool. The scenes with Zigzag and the way he's, like, animated to move are very cool. Um, even the character designs of, like, the One-Eyes. Um, and they're, like, sort of, like, giant war machines are very cool. The, um, 
the witch who lives out in the desert has like a really cool like design. She's voiced by someone important, I think, um, in the version where she talks. Um, and if you're gonna watch Arabian Night or any of the versions after that, just be in it for the thief because that's one of my favorite things. Is it's just. <sighs> It's just constant babbling, like, to himself, like, because he's talking in his head the entire time. And he's got a running commentary of everything. It's like, again, he the never squirrel shuts from up. Ice Age, if the squirrel from Ice Age would talk. And it basically is a squirrel from Ice Age, because like the squirrel from Ice Age, he's not getting an acorn, yeah. but the three golden balls. Yeah, he's and just like, hey, plot. He's, like, driving. Like, the plot is in the car somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And the thief is, like, driving on the side of them. But he's not like he's just in a different car though. And he's like, he's like, hey. like rass like peanut gallering them. Yeah. So it's just that that I do really enjoy. But that is again like Like he's is, trying to like merge in front of them. Or, <laughs> I d I don't I, But he's I don't, not really like putting too much effort into it. Yeah. But he's getting really mad that it's not happening. Um yeah, and he's just up like tacking everyone's butt the entire movie. Like even out in the desert, he's like slinging behind them. Because he moves very strangely. He's like in a giant like hunchback cloak, and he kind he of like does a like a like a snail type thing, except faster than a snail. He's just very it's he's funny. I the love I do that's 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 why I watch the Arabian Night version is for the thief. Um, but yeah, this this movie's a trip. Um, but definitely something you need to watch. I don't even know at if least Dylan's once watched it. Life. Dylan claims he watched it. I don't think Dylan's watched I, it. I don't think he's telling the truth. Dylan likes his nice stories. <laughs> he doesn't care about art. Um, but yeah, so this... Uh, I was originally going to do this for what you've been watching until Dylan said, you can do it for a podcast. Oh, is this going to start our string of uh, academic animated animation podcasts? Yeah, I only get to talk about the academic animation podcast when I'm not with... <laughs> when I'm by myself. <laughs> Because nobody else seems to care except you and me and maybe some other people, but not Dylan. Alright, so. Do some of the famous shorts of old. Shorts of old, yeah. So, yeah, if this is a topic you guys are interested in, too, like. Which probably isn't going to be. Which probably is not going to be. I think Sam and I are the only people who, who care about this movie this much to talk about it. But I'd gladly talk about more, um sort of the academic and historical side of animation because I think that's the thing that I have as a strong suit more than um, other people on the podcast, I will say. Um, Dylan's all, Dylan's like all over animation right now. Mm-hmm. Sam's like all over art. Um, but my thing is history of animation. I've written quite a few papers about it in college, so. I'm just a jack of all trades, really. Sam, <laughs> Sam does it all. Um, I do it all. I do current, I do past. So yeah, um, I'd be happy to do more of these. I can do you know, I, I I know too much about animation for someone who is not at all involved in animation or art. You should, you should make your own animated show and just with stick. Crack, fig- crack it's gonna be whip. stick figures. It's gonna be that thing that you used to draw with the ball. Yeah. The, um, but that the that one guy who I mentioned last week on the what you've been watching, uh, Don Hersfeld, he his style is like stick figure. Yeah, and but he's like probably actually good at drawing stick figures. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll show you. That was the the movie about um, the stick figures, sort of like the, having the crisis, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounded interesting. Um, all right, so we're gonna wrap this up now. Then, um, Sam, where can we find more from you? 
Oh, you can find more from me on Twitter at CoolMCR, K-O-O-L-M-C-R, all one word. Um, I had to spell that because at the, at the Apple store like a couple weeks ago, some girl got it wrong and it was, it was an ordeal. I was giving her my email, which is the same thing if you want to email me too. Um, on Tumblr, it's uh, stupidnervous.tumblr.com, all one word. Yeah, it is. Um, and then... Uh, Where can we find you? Oh, Mal- all right. Um, Twitter, at Melmoy. Uh, Tumblr, the Melmoy, because I'm, I honestly think Dylan stole that name. No, Mel, you... I'm pretty sure you had that name. No, I didn't have Melmoy at because all. You had it at some point. On Tumblr? Yeah. Maybe I did. Maybe I stole it for myself. I'm also not convinced, though, that Dylan didn't, like, find a way to shoehorn it. Um, because that's something he would do and then, like, charge me money to use it. Luckily, um, I got my own name on Tumblr. So. You can find everyone else as well um, on the podcast bio cage at over... Page, not cage. At overlyanimated.com. It is a cage. Live. <laughs> um, it was very existential. Um, find out all the info on this podcast at overlyanimated.com and support us via Patreon. Mm-hmm. at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thanks to our current patrons, Shayna, Mitch, Shana. Uh, no. Okay, we're doing the names first, okay. Yeah, I'm going to say the names first. There's one more, I believe. Uh, Beatrice. Beatrice, you're new. The Z. Hi. So that would be Haina. I'm going like, to stop singing it because I feel like at that point you Shake it like know. a Polaroid picture, yeah. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Um, uh, Fever Mitch. Um, Still don't like that, but... Okay. Grove we'll University, because you know. Mm-hmm. And do we have one for Beatrice? No, I I wanted to say, like, Bellatrix the Stranger, Beatrice. You're now Bellatrix. That's your name. I've Bellatrix. Decided. Yes, okay. Bellatrix. Mel decides. So, those, you guys, if you want a cool, fun nickname um, or some other privileges that we offer for various. We should uh, really give better privileges than we do. Well, okay. Um, I'll send out a postcard to people if. Dylan lets me. Sam will do that. Um, I have done So there's some privileges on there. If you want to check it out, you could request topics to us. You can get access to the Facebook page um, and quite a few other things for various sort of uh, donations. So check us out, patreon.com slash overlyanimated. All right, guys. So I have been your main host, Mel Moore, and I, Sam has been Sam Quattro. Yep. <laughs> and, As uh, I've always been. Always been. And we will see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks all two people who listen. Wow.